0: All right, welcome to another episode of the Science of Hitting podcast. My guest today, returning for the—I don't even know how many times—is
1: Francisco Oliveira. Francisco, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, Alex? Um, might be five or six—I don't know at this point—but it's been—it's been a blast. Yeah,
0: we're—I—I I, I wrote the Spotify. We're getting the name change to the Science of Hitting slash Francisco Oliveira podcast. So don't <laughs> don't worry. You'll start getting that big ad money we buy us out. There you go. Uh, We're here today to discuss, Disney reported their uh, first quarter results for fiscal 21 recently. And, you know, at a high level, I'll just start off by saying, obviously, the company is still dealing with headwinds in many of their businesses, most notably parks and theaters, which we'll get into. Uh, On the other hand, direct-to-consumer continues to to really shine. Uh, Disney Plus ended the quarter with. Just shy of ninety-five million subs, you know. Launched in November of twenty, so you know we're at we're fifteen months in, and and they're soon going to pass a hundred million subs. So it's been you know obviously a strong performance out of the gates, and the other DTC businesses are also putting up some pretty good numbers, which we'll probably get into. But I'll let you start, Francisco. What uh what from the quarter stood out to you?
1: Um, I think the 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 biggest thing is that. Management is basically saying that they're they're really confident that the parks is gonna come back roaring and they're positioning themselves i think they 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 basically said they're looking at parks like the blank slate uh blank canvas and and seeing how they can make the business a lot better um so they they shut down some annual park passes and I think they're looking about how pricing can be different and how the experience can be better and basically saying how much yield they can, they can, uh, obtain from customers attending Disney, Disney parks. I think that was more the, 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 the bigger, interesting part in my mind. Um, because we just had the Disney, uh, investor day that covered streaming, obviously in December and they reported numbers are pretty good. Disney Plus has 95 million subscribers globally. They already went through their initial five-year target. And by all accounts, WandaVision that was uh, released and started to to be released in January is doing extremely, extremely well. So another home run show. Um, Soul, which was released in uh, Christmas day last year, also a home run movie. From Pixar so I don't think the streaming numbers were any were a surprise I'm glad they're they're not reporting kind of intro numbers anymore there's just end of end of year numbers so I think that's they have a lot of content in the pipeline that's going to come out this year and, and an increasing amount in the years following so I think that's a a train that's kind of running well but to see their confidence in the parks and, and and seeing how they can make that business a lot better um, was encouraging. They've they've stopped the the bleeding significantly at the parks, and they're they're just they're losing very very little money there. Um, they have a healthy amount of cash, so I think things are looking good for the company. I mean, still they they want to get out of COVID and and start generating significant cash from parks and and movie theaters, but um looks good so far. I don't think it was anything like out of this world. And, and I think the media and everyone was probably expecting like more news out of streaming. But I think after such a, a tour de force uh, investor day on streaming, I don't think you could expect it, uh, that much news there.
0: Yeah. I'll just dovetail on that by saying, you know, speaking of the investor day, it was obviously, it was an event where it was kind of overwhelming in terms of how much content they have planned. And obviously, you know, it's going to take a couple of years, but Chapek's comment on the call, he said, you know, we have a, a wealth of IP from our unrivaled collection of brands and franchises. And, you know, I think we're, it's still early, but we're really starting to see that now. And you have WandaVision, you know, they s- discussed the Mandalorian, which has obviously been very successful with another season on the way. They have, I think it's called Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which comes out next month or in April. That's coming soon. You know, you are just starting. they had Soul on Christmas Day, the Pixar film. So I think you're really just starting to see when they talk about having new IP coming out on a weekly basis, you just see that the quality of what they're producing is so high that... It becomes a place. Yeah, I've made I've made the comment before. I don't know if it's on our, podca- our podcast our podcasts together or elsewhere. I've said Netflix feels to me almost like where you default to. It's kind of your lazy lazy viewing where most people would just start there. Well, Disney's building a really strong business, at least with Disney Plus, for kind of event programming. Just the the really high quality, again, unrivaled collection of brands and franchises, and I I think that'll work very well for them as they continue to. To you know uh, capitalize on the strength of, of their major franchises, so I was really encouraged by that, and also to your point on parks, I thought the commentary was you know encouraging. We're obviously still dealing with a lot of issues related to COVID, and you know, the number they gave on the call was that it was, by their estimates, probably a 2.6 billion dollar hit to EBIT, so big numbers. Um, but I think you can already see one they're, they're doing a good job. in in terms of opening parks where they can and operating them safely. And I say that from what they've said, I've also visited the park. So I've seen it first person, you know, he, uh, made the comment about uh, quoting Fauci that vaccines will become widely distributed. Everybody who wants it will have one in the next, I think he said 60 to 90 days, basically. So we're getting closer to a point where we're somewhat effectively dealing with the virus and, I think Disney has smartly used this as an opportunity to rethink how do we think about ticket sales and attendance? How do we think about pricing for general admin one day tickets all the way up to, you know, your highest level annual passes. So I think they're really viewing the business as, uh, as completely as they can, which again, you don't have to, you don't have to make money through any one line of business. You can, you can, uh, generate your lifetime value across different channels. So I, I think it is really them showing their ability to do things that you and I have discussed together and on this podcast for, for a long time now. So it's really encouraging. Uh, is there anything from the quarter that was uh, discouraging to you or that
1: you, you didn't like to hear? Um, I th- I think, you know, Go, going on your point that there's event, they are an event programming company really. And, and, and the heart of it was movies, but now the transition with Disney plus, well, it seems like they are, they're really grappling with, with their movie releases at the moment and, and how theaters are obviously for the most part shut down in, in, in the U S or ex- Extremely restricted, and their movies are obviously very, very expensive. And they usually generate attractive economics when released in theaters. But we're not, you know, we're getting closer, right? But we're still not very close to a normal or semi normal movie theater environment. And I, I would have expected that they would have already kind of shown up uh shown us a plan about what they're gonna do for the movies that are um that are coming out soon i think other companies have been more aggressive in in releasing movies are just keeping the cadence and i worry a little bit that all of a sudden you get like you know like a lot of movies that are just like disney doesn't want to release like a marvel movie and then the next week uh a, a, a Pixar movie or something like that to theaters, right? They obviously want to spread these out, and the more you wait, and they're still, you know, they're filming and editing and their post production or pre production, all aspects of of the business currently. And the more time passes by, the more movies you sort of accumulate, and the more movies you accumulate, the longer it takes them to release, and they basically you know, the, the biggest high-profile one that's coming out soon is is Black Widow, and they really haven't told us what they want to do with it. There's some speculation that some people inside of Disney, Marvel, don't want it to release, don't want to release the movie on Disney Plus in conjunction with theaters or with some sort of premium access. I, I Actually, I'll, I'll take that back that, their next really high profile is raya and the last dragon and that's going to go to premiere access but um in animation i think it's a it's an easier choice for them to do a premiere access or direct to disney plus um uh, offering but when it's you know a live action movie or a marvel movie, that they're sort of juggling with that and today this morning, they released a trailer for for a Disney live action movie, Cruella. Mm-hmm. Um, so, kind of like a prequel to Cruella de Vil from 101 Dalmatians. And basically, you watch the trailer, it says, coming soon in, I forget the exact date, but it's in late May. It, no mentions of theaters, no mentions of Disney. Plus, but they released the trailer, and these guys are big, and, and guys at, at Disney are extremely thoughtful. And very strategic in how they first release a poster, then the trailer, and talk about it in Good Morning America, and get the Twitter machine, Instagram, Facebook machine rolling, and get people to talk about it. Um, Eventually early previews and the reviews and create the buzz. So they released a trailer today that means that movie's going to come out in May, you know, it's going to come out in May, right? they're not going to try to create this buzz to then like delay the movie again, because that would just kind of kill the, the, the kind of moment. Right. And, and creating this snowball effect of expectations going up for the film. So, but that trailer did not say anything about Disney plus or anything about theaters. And it just said it's coming, coming soon in May, uh, late May. And, Nothing has come out of Black uh, Black Widow, but these these all these theaters they put out dates and they slot their movies and 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 all the studios do that and so everyone knows what dates movies come out and they haven't moved Black Widow, um, and they released the Cruella trailer and no sign of what's happening. So I think they're still juggling with what they really want to do um ideally they would want theaters back to normal and put it back but i just i don't think that's just going to be the reality at the moment and i would have expected in the conference call for them to to give us any indication of what their plan so that was a little bit disappointing so a long answer on, on what was disappointing but i think that's you know that's that was one of the things um is ryan is ryan I the think- last dragon
0: uh uh Premier access, but it's also going to be available in theaters, assuming any number of theaters are even open?
1: Exactly. Okay. It's going to be uh, premiere access with with Disney+, Plus and available in theaters. Similar to um, what HBO Max did, that they released um, Wonder Woman 1984 to HBO Max. It didn't include like a premiere access added price, but HBO Max and theaters. And and I think they got a couple, some tens of millions of dollars in in box office for Wonder Woman 1984. And I think I read that the vast majority were like either reserved movie theaters or like outdoor movie theaters. So I don't think there's you know any movie theaters open or in LA, in New York, or at least at the time. much. and those are like is the biggest markets.
0: It seems like oh, tell, so. tell me if I'm tell me if you see it differently, but it seems to me like it, it, if we know Premier access has really I mean, we wouldn't let's put it this way. We wouldn't know if it was working well. They they would have said so and they've been asked about Mulan publicly a handful of times now and it's clear that it didn't do particularly well um in terms of people actually wanting to pay for it to to view it. I think it was 90 days before it was for free on Disney Plus. It's it's interesting to me that You really don't want to go that route. Um And they're just kind of torn between these two options, one of which is, you know, assuming things were even anywhere close to normal, they're torn between these two options of just releasing stuff on Disney Plus and obviously you would you would get it for free as as part of your subscription like like HBO has done or having things that are in theaters for however long, two months, three months, and then they're available on the platform. And I don't know if I really have a question out of this, but they, they've tried to find a middle ground, and it it really doesn't work. At least I don't think it works. If it had worked, I think they probably would have said by now that Black Widow will, will just take a similar route to
1: market. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think you're right that Mulan, that's the only one they've done the Premier Access, wasn't like an out of the park home run. I also don't think it was the the most high demand movie. Uh I think it was gonna do probably well in theaters, but I don't think it was like you know, this level of like oh my Is God Raya any ride. different?
0: Just out of curiosity? I, my sense would be they're pretty similar, but maybe I'm maybe
1: I'm wrong. Uh no, I think I think Actually, Raya could do significantly better. It depends how good the movie ends up being, right? And and animation also, like... Animation can have a slower build. It doesn't necessarily have to have a a mega first weekend. I think the first Frozen movie had, like, a good first week, but it just kept building and building, and, and people liked the movie so much that, you know, people went to see the movie for the first time, like, a month later, right? Um, so this is a new a new movie. Um, not a sequel or anything, it's an original story. So I think it could do I think it could do well. Um, like Mulan wasn't really a movie that you're gonna you know, sh- sh- the Mulan live action, you're really gonna show it to a three year old, four year old, five year old, maybe even six, seven. Like it it was a lot of action. It's not it wasn't a musical. Um I think Raya not sure, I don't think it's a musical, but it's gonna be a movie that like two, you know, two year olds, three year olds, four year olds, five, six, seven, eight until like eleven or twelve, and then the super fans that are a lot older are probably gonna wanna watch. So I think that could do a lot better than Mulan. Um, but here they said basically they were asked a similar question. They're like, Look, to you know, you know, we were happy with Mulan, which is a standard kind of Corporate answer on Premier Axis, but you know we're happy enough that we're doing it with Raya. That's basically their answer in the in the earnings call, and I think now, well, a movie that they think that it can be might have an even bigger audience uh, for them, and how they anticipate it. Um, well, let's see how they do. I think Black Widow, hands down, is going to do enormously well if it goes to to premier access because i mean wandavision is the number one tv show on demand in the world right now ah. um so think about that fan base man watching week after week wandavision rival right. like they're dying for this content i think so and you have the base right there because the way they've structured the Marvel releases is that WandaVision started releasing in, I think, mid-January. The show ends in, like, two and a half weeks. There's a two-week break, which, by the way, they're going to release, like, a, a documentary on the making of WandaVision in that two-week break. After that two-week w- break, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think it's six uh, episodes 2 week break and then it's the slate the release date for for Black Widow. Right. And then there's like a there's like a a little break and then Loki comes on Disney Plus. So it's fairly um and apparently there might be things that tie into the shows and the movies so they delay Black Widow, who knows if they delay ro- Loki or other Disney Plus shows from Marvel. So I think they're just grappling with the the economics are you know not gonna be obviously as well as a a billion dollar or, or eight hundred million dollar movie, but you know they they also um, they're they're probably having a big debate. But I think I think you're right. Long answer. I think you're right that the Mulan thing they probably thought they could have done better. We'll see how Raya does, but I think Raya is gonna be a could be like a a, a build up. I think you know, there's going to be a big group of people that will definitely buy it and watch it first weekend. And if it ends up being a really good movie, I think you could see the demand for it to be sustained. Um, so obviously the purchases of, of Premiere Access as well. And I don't know. I think I, they basically have to decide fairly soon what they're going to do with, with Black Widow. So we'll...
0: Yeah, you know, it makes see. it you know, as you're saying that, I mean, the what they want to do here is, is is obvious. They they want to go through theaters if they can, and and now thinking about as you talk through mm-hmm. it, you know, again Chapik's comment about the Fauci remarks. In some ways, you can see how they'd have a reason to believe that they might actually be in a position to release this in theaters. Um, we're gonna have to see how that plays out, <laughs> and that's gonna. You know, I don't want to overstate it, but that potentially comes with some reputational risk as you're, you know, by far the biggest movie to be released once theaters are truly open or people are really back out again. So um, it might work. It's going to be, yeah, the timing
1: here is going to be a bit of a problem, right? I just think exactly the, it's kind of touch and go here to, from here to me for Black Widow. And, you know, they're not going to be, even if all theaters are open, it's not going to be a normal environment. Um, and you kind of, I mean, ideally you just, you just wait until it's back to normal and then you release. But are you going to wait another year? Um, I don't know, or another nine months and then delay all your movies? So delaying Black Widow means delay, basically delaying Marvel movies like that come out later this year. There's other. There's there's a uh, three more that come out this year, and then there's like four more next year. So you're talking about delaying Black Widows potentially delaying seven movies as well, and maybe yeah. That seems know, like, seems so like it's not a real point? option. Yeah. So it, it's like at what point do you, you know, do you say you don't want to hang out? Black like, Widow to Dry because like it if, if, say you just release it in May in theaters without the Disney Plus access like it's gonna get all this coverage of like oh it's not doing well theaters are not back to normal right. versus if they did you know fans would be happy if, and and people who watch the movie assuming if it's good if it's just on Disney Plus so I think it's something they're debating a lot but I mean we'll see how Raya does I don't know that would definitely help um you know, if Raya is really a smash success, um, and pound for pound, like, probably Black Widow would get more buys, but if Raya ha- happens to be, like, a, a success, like another Moana, um, then, then, you know, maybe maybe internally they, they think that it's viable for them to release uh, Black Widow. One comment on the theaters... Um, Basically, I don't know if you've been been following. I think we've talked a little bit a little bit about it, but uh, the movie theater business in China is doing very very well. Mm-hmm. Um, they just released a a local movie that had the biggest opening weekend ever. Wow! In China, uh, better than Avengers Endgame, <laughs> and and I think it reached it might have reached a billion dollars. And I think the movie theaters in in japan are doing fairly well and all these are restricted so i think if you're a disney executive and you're being optimistic you're like hey man we we hang in there a couple more months and maybe this could be it but i think the way we've handled coronavirus here and we're not going to get into that debate but like it's just different right so i think it's you know in New York, they're allow, they're going to allow fans to go to, like, Madison Square Garden and stuff uh, later this month. And I think you got to get tested. You got to get all these things, like, significantly below capacity. It's just going to take time here. So hopefully they just make a decision. And, like, I think, you know, it's unfortunate for Black Widow because it could have been a billion dollar movie, but it's just not going to be a billion dollar movie unless you delay another year, and I don't think that's realistic. Right, right. Speaking of uh,
0: speaking of international, let's transition to that a little bit, and and also the D 2 C assets that are you know not Disney Plus. So, you know, Hulu SVOD showed thirty percent year year over year growth in uh, paid subs. They're at you know just north of thirty five million. We have the uh, Star launch coming in Europe, Canada, Australia, a couple other markets, which, again, that's their, their general entertainment service in international markets. That's coming in uh, next week, I think. Um, and, you know, yeah. we got some reporting here recently. I, I don't think this is from the call. Maybe it was. I thought I got this from an article. But the quote was, we're, we're pretty aggressively ramping up all of our production across all local territories. So, you know, they're really – really making the investments to be global that said star is not disney it's you know the disney brand is something incredibly unique so how are you feeling about how they're positioned currently for you know both both hulu in the u.s and
1: and star elsewhere i i think it's really encouraging because I think the announcement, I, I, I think was ba- basically um, articles released today and yesterday because they had like a press event on the star, the star service being released, the star content. And I think it's encouraging because I think they have global ambitions and very large scale ambitions, right? They're, they're, they're investing in this like, like they want to be Netflix type right. of scale. And I think if, if you want to have a fighting chance of being there, you can't just rely on event and franchise content. I think that will take you. Look, I mean, they have 95 billion subs in, in in basically a little over a year. Like, that's amazing. And I think that's the power of the of, of Disney and, and, and the brands that they have in the franchises. But if you're going to reduce churn, if you're going to go after, you know, hundreds of millions of monthly subscribers you need more library more variety and you need content that if uh works for everybody individually in the family and i think the star content is that and then if you look at it being global right then you need you know if you're in italy you need content from italian content german content spanish content and uh asian content and 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 content from all over the world. And that's the muscle that they're building uh, currently. And I think it's a it's a really, really good sign. Let me ask
0: you um, something that has to do with that before you keep going, just because I, I think it's somewhat interesting. And I haven't thought about it a ton. You know, obviously in the US, they go to market with this bundle of services. And I think that's that's proven to be an effective strategy. And I think it's incredibly important to what ESPN becomes long term. In India, they have the assets which as far as i know we're entirely from 21st century fox and you know star has its own its own exposure to sports in that market do we do you have any reason to believe that as disney goes global with their entertainment service or entertainment services that they may try to replicate that as they go into other markets or do we think that their spending on sports rights will basically be contained to us india and obviously whatever they have in latin america
1: i think their sports rights spending will be contained to where they have significant sports assets so in india they do in u.s they do and in latin america they do and i think that's what that's what might that's makes sense uh never say never after if you reach kind of like 200 million 300 million subscribers globally right you could be a little bit more strategic but i think at the moment they 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 got their hands full with with um the the sports assets that they do currently that would be my sense yeah that's
0: always been mine as well only because i mean the u.s is most obvious because i think you kind of need both at this point in time to play the transition, both the linear channels, linear brands, and then the D to C assets. I don't, it's harder for me, for me to see how that works, how that works without that combination. And we've, we've both seen the zone, um, you know, narrow their focus and try to find out really what they are, where they're going to play. It's, it's not easy. It's difficult. Um, which is where this bundle kind of helps, but, it's hard for me to see how you get to the point where you have something that's worth bundling, at least on a standalone
1: basis, like ESPN+. So I'm not
0: positive at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, if you look at the zone, they... I mean, they've had different levels of success in different markets, but in the U.S., they basically had boxing and, like, they had an MLB show, which later was cancelled, and... Maybe some other smaller rights, but I, I don't think it was boxing like every single weekend, right. right? And you're talking about a monthly subscription, so basically, it's it's not a service you're gonna use every day or every or every week. So creating a monthly subscription is very very difficult, Um and then I think they realize right realize that re- very quickly, and then. Maybe you pay up front annually. Um, so, um, th- but that also like, you know, you might watch the fight that you want and then cancel. So it's, it's, it's just a very tough business from starting from scratch. So I think in the markets that they are in already has significant assets, it's easier for Disney to, to bundle. And if they have huge scale, right. And then they want to strategically add sports rights. Um, in a random market like five years down the road then that's a different story Um, but building it from scratch or doing it now especially now like it's a huge investment it's a different type of muscle that you have to build for your product and right now they have their hands full with everything they're doing in their main franchises and also building local programming in, in different markets so I think for now I think wherever they don't have sports rights I don't think they're gonna be investing there
0: okay yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Let's end with a discussion about some of the other players in the industry, and uh, I'll I'll point to two that you and I have discussed a lot in the past. The first being AT and T, Time Warner, which has been fairly aggressive with their uh, you know willingness to put movies on HBO Max. On the other hand, we have Comcast, Comcast, NBC Universal, which launched Peacock, and you know, interestingly, a couple of weeks ago, we got a report. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal. It was in the information, I think, with uh, with commentary or quotes that at least people said that he said this. Jeff Shell, the guy who runs NBCU, essentially said that, and correct me if I'm wrong on this paraphrasing, but essentially said that, you know, teaming up with someone like Time Warner would obviously go a long way to to their long-term success. So correct me on anything I said right there that's wrong and just give me your updated thoughts on some of these other players.
1: No, yeah, I think I think you had it right, what was reported in the information. Um, quickly before, I just wanted to add before we forget, like, Bob Chapek, Disney CEO, basically teased on the call that they are eventually going to take ESPN direct-to-consumer and I don't think that got a lot of like coverage because it was kind of like just a comment he just randomly said in a Q and A. So that's gonna play yeah. out very interesting in terms of Disney and their bundling strategy. So that thought, thought, thought I should mention that before before we, we wrap no, up. No, it's also obviously um, a huge not to not to take this a different direction, but
0: you know, we can see that sub declines are hanging right in that five percent range and we're obviously seeing all these companies focus their marquee content or entertainment content on their D2C services which which certainly doesn't help and we're going to find out over the coming years well one what they're even allowed to do they have to deal with leagues and rights owners but two what they're willing to do we'll see how aggressively some of these uh media companies get with the uh, the rights that they
1: have but it's it's we're certainly in an interesting place <laughs> Yeah, we we might find out some NFL news in a couple of weeks. So that, that could be another another discussion for for another day. So we'll see. Um, I think on the other players, like, here's the way I'd look at it. I mean, I see, and I, I know this is not one of the ones you asked about, but, like, I see Netflix and their sole focus on acquiring subscribers, on having the best tech, on having the most distribution, on being global. And investing in content and owning their content, just keeping that focus has made them the best player by far, and, and with enormous scale. And I think that's gonna, the skill's is gonna increase. And then I think, arguably, the, the best content creator uh, company in the world, Disney, especially kind of event type of content that we talk to. In order for them to, to be successful and get the scale that they've had and get to 95 million Disney Plus subscribers and, and have a fighting chance of getting to 200, 300 million sub- subscribers in the next couple of years, they had to make the BAM Tech acquisition for $3 billion. They had to uh, buy 21st Century Fox assets. They had to significantly increase their content spend on original programming. They had to basically shut down um, all their licensing the vast majority of their licensing revenue that they received for for sending their shows and movies to Netflix and others and completely restructure their operations not once but twice and also bundle with other services that they created um, and bought and all that effort I mean and now we can say comfortably like like they're a real player and that they, they could really truly catch up to Netflix or get very, very close. As I look at the other competitors with that lens of the best content company in the world to do all of this in order to get closer, have a chance of fighting at the global level in a significant way. I'm just very pessimistic about the other services unless they do things that way more drastically, potentially including MA or bundling of some sort. And that's really just the US market. I think when you also add Europe, Latin America, Latin America Asia, rest of the world, it just becomes even more difficult because it's another muscle, like Disney is doing it now with all the the local content that they commissioned. Um, across Europe uh, Latin America uh, in, in India um, so let's t- let's take a look at HBO max for a second right so they had um, 30 high 30 million H normal HBO subscribers that were mostly tied to the pay TV bundle which is obviously declining so they they added they created HBO Max and the goal was really to transition as much of those subscribers out of those services to activate HBO Max um, and to acquire new subscribers. So basically you're stalling the, the pay TV subscribers that you were losing and you're adding, you know, mostly direct customers or activated customers through HBO Max. And they're encouraging you with, to do that by adding way more content, way more library, original content, and they took now they took their entire 2021 movie slate and they're adding it there, and they started that in December with Wonder Woman 1984. All that effort um, has resulted in a linear sub base of normal HBO that was in hovering in mid high 30 millions grew to. About 40 million, but out of those 40 million, only 17 million have HBO Max activated. Um, and that number's gonna grow, right? I think, especially with the movies that they're adding this year, like Matrix 4, um, Dune, um, Godzilla versus Kong, and and a lot of you know, some DC comic movies that are highly anticipated. Um, that will create. Hype, um, Mortal Kombat 4, that will create hype for HBO Max um, because those will, re- will be released to HBO Max directly. That will allow them to transition more of these pay TV, linear, normal HBO customers into HBO Max. But we're just talking about US, right? They can't really enter many markets in Europe because they've licensed away their content to Sky. They can't enter Canada yet either. If I'm not mistaken. They had to purchase minority shareholders in the structure that they had in Latin America to be able to launch in Latin America, and they're going to be able to launch soon. I have no idea what their strategy is in for India and Asia, and for rest of Europe. I think they'll they'll be able to launch HBO Max, but they're also going to have to, you know, invest significantly in. In original content to to make a splash in those markets um, and that's going to take a, either disruption of, of theater revenues or um, a lot of local content which you're probably not doing at the moment so that's a long way of saying it's a very high uphill battle for HBO Max and oh by the way HBO Max is more expensive than Netflix and Disney Plus um so we'll see i mean it's it's very very they have very good content but it's a very tough hand especially um if you want to be successful globally to put all that into context disney plus had 10 million subscribers day one right and all this effort from hbo max has only resulted in 17 million activations um after several months and it took a huge uh movie like wonder woman 1984 to to help in those efforts so it's it's tough it's a it's a tough road and then when you look at when you put that lens and then put it on peacock from nbc universal um it's it's even tougher honestly because they don't really have content that it's like oh i really want to watch this or a ton of library that they're they're all they're an even worse actor in terms of licensing um, they, you know, NBC NBCU has arguably like the second best kind of animation uh, portfolio in the world after Disney, with Illumination and DreamWorks. And most of the Illumination and DreamWorks content is licensed outside uh, to other players, including Netflix and Hulu. Um, a lot of their Universal Library movies go to HBO Max and other services. And I think a a library of older movies is really not gonna cut it. They have a slate of original shows and, and some of them you know, a Save by the Bell reboot apparently has, has has gotten good reviews and people have liked it, but is that's not gonna drive tens of millions of people. Right. Um they they have an advantage that they have Comcast right to 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 basically push the service to to comp, comp, cast his own subscribers, and they said 30 million have signed up. That information article says only 10 million people are really using the service. Um, I think the when the Olympics come out, that will help them because they're going to add sports. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Are they really going to put the best gold medal matches there when in Peacock? When it'll be guaranteed mega mega viewership on NBC linear we'll see that now they have a a deal to with the WWE so the the WWE network and the WWE pay-per-view matches will all be available on Peacock and it that's about 200 million dollars a year for five years it could could be a pretty good deal to attract a couple of million subscribers and users is that going to take you to 10 20 30 million I don't know I think they need a lot more of those deals. I think that's a good step in the, the direction. Um, but then you look at the global landscape, but they don't really, they don't, they can't, they don't have the assets to launch in Latin America. Um, they have Sky in Europe, so they theoretically could, but they haven't really announced anything to to do a Peacock type of service in Europe and forget about Asia um, and, and other parts of the world. So then I look at, you know, Paramount Plus, which has a library that's also license, a lot of it's license elsewhere, and they have good kids programming with Nickelodeon, and and they have good movies. But it's the library, and the, the product is going to be fairly slim, and not clear they're going to launch with any big original content that's going to attract uh, attract viewers. I think one thing that Disney did is that, yes, they gathered all their library but they launched with a bang the mandalorian right mm-hmm. Um it obviously was a bigger success than that people people thought but just launching a service to have old movies does, doesn't really doesn't really cut it like um i think somebody that really wants to watch some of the, those library movie might just buy it or rent it right um it's not super clear in a world where you have netflix and an abundance of content that you know, oh my god, I have to watch movies from the eighties, right? Um, or old Star Trek episodes. So yeah, I, I think the other players are like Amazon and, and Apple and I just look at them like they, they have so much scale with Apple users and Amazon Prime users that um not really clear why they're in the services, but I think just any way that they'll they'll have a presence with, with customers. So any mega hit in one of those services would just grab attention but um you could argue the amount of money that that amazon invests in original content has been not a huge success but i guess it you know they benefit from keeping the prime customers so um so i think it's a really tough space very very tough space and then you can look at other smaller players who are you know thinking about doing niche things and streaming and it's just really difficult. So we'll see. I think, you know, in Warner, they have the 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 ex-CEO um, of Hulu, and I think he might have been the founder as well. That's um, forgetting that stat. But very, very um, highly regarded executive, and he's kind of, you know, taking a more aggressive stance of going all in on streaming. So we'll see how, how that turns out for Warner Media. I think, you know, they'll keep going at it. And they have an a, a parent an AT and T that that will support them to a certain extent, but yeah, I think when you look at the situation with NBCU and Peacock, and you look at the situation of Warner Media, it just it's a match made in heaven for those two assets to get together and to really have content scale to to play uh, to be a huge player in the U.S. and a huge player globally. Um, so. It's not a surprise that the CEO of of NBC Universal Jeff Shell thinks that it's a good idea for for NBCU and, and Warner Media to merge. Just like look, um, NBC Comcast owns Sky, so I, I would I would call it a merger of M- of Sky NBCU with Warner, but Sky has all the. HBO content that I mentioned earlier locked up in Europe, right, for for many years in the biggest European markets. Right, a merger will automatically end that, right, and will allow HBO to really go at it in Europe. Um, and there's a lot of content that they license to each other. There's ways they can improve the parks um, in sports. They'll have scale, so it just makes a lot of sense. And it'll just it'll it'll come down to whether really Comcast. Comcast's CEO Ryan Roberts, who effectively controls a company, and it's been a company in his family, um basically since it started, really. And whether he, you know, wants to do the deal because in order to do that deal, you're basically have to gonna have to break up AT and T. You're gonna have to break up Comcast, and then those assets will be a separate entity. I think that's the only way you really get it through through regulators. So. I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's tough, but it's a no brainer, but you know, you predicting what executives think and then, and, and how they'll feel and, and what they want to do. But time is of the essence. I think um, something you and I talked the other day, like Disney announced their plans to go to direct to consumer streaming in mid late 2017. Mm. they announced the acquisition of the fox assets that obviously help, have helped them significantly in this effort in december 2017 you know it took over a year to 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 close that transaction they also had to prepare for disney plus and licensing agreements invest in, in original programming to have ready at that launch date and basically late twenty nineteen november twenty nineteen was when they were able to launch and here we are today so if you're talking about nBCU and warner Warner media agreeing on a merger tomorrow it's a long review process and after closing integrating and, and executing on the strategic vision will take another year or two then we're talking about three years and in in three three four years disney's already at a over two hundred million subscribers and, and, and God knows where Netflix is at, right um, right, so it, these companies have to move if they want to get if they really want to compete. yeah, I would
0: just summarize everything you just said, which I, I agree with all of it, and I think a match between the two of them makes sense, uh, NBCU and time Warner um, the The fact that Comcast owns Sky funny enough might be the impetus for this to potentially happen mm-hmm. um yeah. i i think the reality of it all is the two big hurdles are one having any success out of the gates which for both of them it's up in the air but let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say yes it is successful or it become successful from there as you said you get to the the big problem of being a truly global, global scale player, which requires just infinitely more dollars committed to investing in content. And I'm not sure either of them has the willingness or, the, or even the capacity to a certain extent to actually do that. So I think we're nearing something. I don't know how far out it is. Um, full disclosure um, on Disney, I've owned Disney for a while. I owned it through Fox. And on Comcast, I've been on Comcast for a while. I, I added a little bit to Comcast recently on the idea that we're getting closer to something. So it's probably worthwhile for us to start giving disclosure. So
1: many times, if we're going to talk about all these names, so you just want to get some disclosure. Oh yeah, real quick. Yeah, know, absolutely. And and it might be obvious to the viewers that we both own Disney, but right. full disclosure, I, I I I own Disney. I I. I purchased Fox when when the Disney deal was announced, and then got uh, and then purchased Disney as well, and then got Disney shares. And, and so that initiation was late twenty seventeen, still still owned today. And I, I also own Comcast, um, more because I really like the broadband business, and I think the the market is probably overly penalizing and NBCU and Sky, and those aren't you know, those are good businesses at the end of the day. They're not obviously as good as a broadband business, but I do think like, it just makes so much, so much sense. I mean, you and I are, are um, investors, analysts. Um, and, and we look at this industry a lot and I think it's, extru- it's super obvious to us and we're, I not know, I'm not a genius or anything like that. So it just makes too much sense. So, but if they wait five years to do this deal, I think you kind of like it's it's already t- you know it's a waste. But yeah, those are well. I own Comcast and Disney.
0: Sometimes egos and incentives outweigh logic. So <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about this a lot. But we'll see. You know, as you said, well, uh, Brian Roberts needs to be willing to see the scope of his enterprise potentially decline and at&t i feel like at&t is would be completely open to the conversation based on what i've read but you still have to find a, a sensible agreement which the two parties may have different ideas of what sensible
1: is so but i think that's a good place to to end it francisco thanks for coming on again and